Welcome to the podcast. Join Nate and Mike, lifelong friends, as they discuss stocks and investing. The name says it all. This This is is Two Buds Buds Talk Talk Stocks. Stocks. All opinions expressed by Nate and Mike are their own. Please do not buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Welcome to the pod. We are live. How are you doing tonight, Mike? You know, Nate, I got to be honest. We um, were doing our pre-production meeting earlier today, Mm -hmm. and we're just talking stocks, and I'm pumped. Yeah. I love talking the market. I love talking stocks with you. I look forward to this and I'm looking forward to uh, today's pod. So I'm doing great, man. How about you? Yeah, same thing. I mean, we can, this is like, we got to remind ourselves. I mean, this used to be the running joke. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Save, save it for the pod. I mean, well, our pre-production means get a little intense. I'm like, this is all gold. It's gold, Jerry. Gold. I was going to start today's pod with- What was that guy's listen- name on? The gold, which on Seinfeld? But- yeah, that's right. Wasn't there a joke with Ovaltine too or something with that? <laughs> it's something round. That... They should call it round. Um, yeah, that's gold. Seinfeld, this was not discussed in our pre-production meeting, but I mean, Seinfeld is like the Procter and Gamble. Well, I mean, how, how would you compare? I mean, the the, the revenue that, that Seinfeld still is making because mm-hmm. it's sold to Hulu, then it's sold yeah. to Netflix. And then it keeps getting sold. I mean, he's on the Mount Rushmore. He's he's like a corporation. I can't even think of one. He's like the Walmart of sitcoms, right? Yeah, and he did it right in the sense, too, that, I mean, left the people wanting more. I mean, when he left the show or when they stopped doing it, he could have- Do you know why done... they stopped at season nine? Was it just because he wanted to go out on top? No, it's because the Beatles only did nine years. And they quit at their top of their game. And yeah. he said, no matter what happens, no matter how big we get, season nine, I'm done, no matter what. It was crazy to think about, too, that last season. I mean, Seinfeld was already making more than a million dollars per episode, but I think the rest of the cast, too, renegotiated and were getting a million dollars an episode. So, I mean, something like 22 episodes over the course of a, of a season. So a $22 million payday, just that last season alone, is, I mean, you manage your money well, you're set for life. But then I can't imagine, again, how much they get from uh, from royalties still to this this day. A better example maybe would be Warren Buffett because Warren Buffett didn't start making his billions until he was like 55. That's a cool and chart. I know the one you're talking was about. was kind of like grinding away, grinding away. And it's the same thing with Seinfeld. That first season, second season, almost going to be canceled. And then finally, it wasn't until year seven, eight, nine, that they started seeing returns. So hang in there. Yeah. Guess what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, that Buffett example is a good one too, because I think about that all the time when you look at that chart that his first billion wasn't until age 56. And yep. now here we are, what, basically four years later, but it's it's a hundred times times that amount too. It just shows how the snowball works. So I was going to start with a question and uh, I got listener, you've got mail. Listener mail. <laughs> listener mail. And then I think we're going to go on a little bit of, of, of a tangent here. So um, this first question is, uh, I dig your pod and the Twitter feed. On Twitter recently, Nate bought shares of Disney and Mike commented on how bad that was. <laughs> Can you expand? Keep chasing huge gains, Chris from Miami. All right. So Chris, thank you for the uh, for the feedback. Always appreciated. Couple things. 
when I was bagging on you buying Disney, that was before Bob Iger came back. Now we'll talk, we'll discuss this whole thing. So Bob Iger's coming back. Very similar. I got to say Phil Jackson replacing Del Harris on the, the Lakers, right? It's, um, Here's the thing I like doing too with, with names. You uh, take their first name and you kind of make it into a nickname and then you shorten the last name. So uh, tell me if you're on board with this. Bobby Bobby Iggs, like Bobby Iggs for for, for Bob, Bob Iger. Sure. Bobby Iggs. All right. We'll go. Bobby Iggs. Yes. All right. It fits. I think he's probably one of the greatest CEOs. You'd put him in the top 10 all time. Um, yeah, his book actually is really good. It's called, I don't know, it's like one hell of a ride. It's basically his autobiography and he talks about his young days starting with um, with uh, Disney and just working his way up the, the, the ladder to the corporate ladder and getting to the, uh, to the C-suite. But um, I remember I went through this whole phase where I was trying to think like Bob Iger because I thought this book was so good. And he really goes into detail of the Pixar deal working with uh, Steve Jobs um, and uh he talks so in depth about how Steve Jobs is a real prickly guy and hard to work with. But when you actually just spend time with him one-on-one, -on -one, he asks a lot of good questions. And he, and when they were trying to do all these deals, when he was trying to do the deal for Pixar, he kept saying that Steve Jobs was just like, it doesn't make any sense. None of this makes sense. Why would we do, why would we take the, this, this company and, and merge it with, uh, with uh, Disney? We're doing just fine on our own. And basically um, I can't remember how it went, but, it comes down to that he had all these negative reasons for, for not wanting to do it. And basically then Bob Iger just said something that made sense. And it was like, well, there we go. we got one positive reason. That's, that's why we can do it. Maybe all these negatives don't make sense, but all we need is one positive reason to do this deal. And that's ultimately what got the, the deal done. But uh, so much, it makes me think of just conflict resolution, working with people and how uh, seeing their point of view and trying to work from there, if you can just agree on one thing. So long way of saying that, yes, I think Bob Iger is probably one of the best CEOs, at least of, of our generation. Howard Schultz is in there. And I mean, it's the anybody... same thing with Starbucks because you, and, and going back to uh, Chris's question here, I was not a fan of Disney when you bought it. And this was before pre Iger. And I understand that you're very disciplined to just keep adding mm -hmm. to uh, companies that have you, that you, you have confidence. And I, I lost all confidence with Disney in my opinion, hence why they fired their CEO brought Iger back just like Starbucks fired their CEO brought Schultz back. And we've said it before in the pod, CEOs are like head coaches of teams. Mm -hmm. And yes, there is a team that's so good. It's like the Barry Switzer, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what team, who you put in there, you're going to win a championship, but then you don't have the right management. You're not going anywhere. And you, you also hit on that point with Iger now, and maybe I'm conf conflicting my Twitter responses because I wasn't a fan. And now I, I kind of am because he did buy Pixar he was the one that put together Marvel for $4 billion. He was the one that put together Disney for $4 billion. And this last CEO was just a flat-out dud, in my opinion, and drove the stock to below COVID uh, levels. So, I, I mean, I got some, some, some takes on this. I mean, okay. Bob Iger, I mean, he, like you said, the, the Lucas films, the Pixar, and the Marvel, and what is the combined price tag on those? Uh, 
Pixar was, I don't know, four billion. Marvel was two billion. Wasn't Lucasfilm something like another? They were four, both so. four. So it was yeah. eight for uh Marvel and um Star Wars. Lucas, yeah. And then I don't know what else. So let's call it 10 billion. And the amount of return that they've gotten on those, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but it's been a good return on investment. He also was the one that led the launch of the streaming platform. I mean, they started, they bought stakes in some company in the UK that did that did live sports. Then they bought the minority share of uh, Hulu. Then they mm -hmm. did the Fox deal. Uh, I think he brokered that Fox deal. So they got all the, yep. uh, the Fox movie studios. They got more of Hulu, all towards the idea of making the streaming platform. I mean, you could see the, the writing on the wall that uh, people were starting to cut the cords with cable. Um, so he was going all in on that. And he, I remember the first go round, he was set to retire, but he wanted to make sure that the, uh, that the streaming platform launched before he retired. Mm -hmm. And basically, so here's where I will also contradict myself about him being one of the, the best leaders, because one thing, Bob Chapik, who took over for him, yep. was hand, by the way, I get you who's handpicked. Yeah. So this is, this is one of the things too, that um, and you can say the same thing for Howard Schultz. This is like his third time being the CEO there. But I think all the other two times too, he had a large say in who was going to take over for him. So this is the part that makes me, like you're saying that I, I think that if you work hand in hand with the guy that's running the show and you're his right-hand man or whatever, then that person's picking you. So they have a pretty good idea of, of what you are, who you are, how you're going to run things and how, why it changes when, when, the, when the number two man becomes a number one. I can't quite say, but maybe it does make me think that there are some gaps in the uh the person when they're when they're picking their uh their successor i gotta push back on you though gotta use the sports analogy analogy mm -hmm. do you know how many coaches came from the belichick tree or the nick saban tree and they go out on their own and even though they spent every waking hour with nick saban they get their own team and that just falls to pieces i mean this is true too i mean eric so, mangini comes to mind and uh Who's a bunch of other, I mean, Rex, what was the well, yeah, yeah, that's right. who's the dude that was the, uh, the Broncos coach. Remember he was like the youngest head coach at one time. Wasn't he a former Josh? What's his face? Yeah. Josh McDaniels. He's yeah. Was coach it? of, um, uh, Raiders right now. Yeah. And but he, he was the right hand guy of the, uh, he was the quarterbacks coach, Tom Brady, all those years with Bill Belichick. So you make a good point. So it just, even if it doesn't you know transpire, system, it's the yeah. old saying like Michael Jordan, right? Like the reason why Michael Jordan's a bad coach is because what he expects other people to do, they can't do what he can do. And I think the same happens with coaches. And we saw with FedEx, their CEO got the new CEO stock totally cratered starbucks with schultz i mean you name I'm it i'm glad you bring this up as a sports one because i was thinking of this the other day too um so notre dame football uh lou who holtz, was that old guy uh lou holtz was the coach lou for holtz, a long time. yeah but remember it was a guy that took over for him i can't remember his last name tyrone uh is it tyrone hill i can't remember but he coached the team for a few years several years and it was just mediocre and he got ousted. And then what's the guy, Charlie, what's his face? The Charlie, Charlie Weiss. Yeah. took over. And I remember looking and I remember at this time when they hired Charlie Weiss that he was looked at is he got a lot more leniency. But when you look at the course of like the first couple seasons of the first three, uh, the first two or three seasons, the previous head coach had a slightly better record, but they were willing to give a pass. So this made me think too. And this is the same with um, Nebraska. 
who's the guy that was the coach all Osborne. The, yeah. He was like the man he was God in, in, in Nebraska. And then there was a guy that took over after him and I can't remember his name, but he didn't do well. And then there was a guy that came in after him and he pretty much had a similar record, but he didn't take this, the, the same amount of criticism. So I feel like there's a rule here. You never want to be the guy taking over after the guy you want to yeah. be the next guy you want to next space. So even yeah. if, even if Disney hadn't taken uh Bob Iger, if they just uh, ousted Bob Chapek, whoever came in next, I think would still have a better chance because you never want to be the guy, right? Iger after comes in, they give a new guy. That guy mm-hmm. gets probably, that's a good point. And I think CEOs, that's I, I, a big deal. Um, so with, let's, let's have a little fun then with Disney. And then well, I got to be honest. One other thing too. Um, yeah. Cause I feel like, um, Bob Chapit was in a tough spot and I really feel for well, him. He didn't do anything. What did he do? Well, he just tried to get more subs. Well, than geez, he tried to run a uh, worldwide conglomerate during the worst time to do all so. Right. And, That's fair. Depend- all right. I was going to say, so I'm here's- bitter. I'm a shareholder. Well, let, okay. well, let's look Go back ahead. at it. Bob Iger uh, makes all these deals, buys all these production studios, gets the streaming platform up and running, and then basically says, here you go. I'm ready to hand it off to my successor, Bob Chaikin. He does that right in March of 2020. And then two weeks later, the entire world locks down. And when the majority of your business is cruise ships and um, hotels and theme parks, and we're not talking just Florida or, or Universal Studios in Hollywood, we're talking the entire world, Europe, China, everywhere else. I mean, what is that? Something like 80% of their entire business model is that stuff. And it gets shut down. And, uh, I will. Okay. You, now you've got a point. I think you should have a grace period. I know Iger's like, Hey, when I left it, things were good, but the last quarter quarter was pretty, pretty abysmal. So this is the other part I will say too, is that and maybe I'm reading the, the streaming, you know, the streaming definitely kept them. The reason that the stock went up so much during the pandemic and it should have gone down because it was the streaming, but it actually should have gone down. The majority of their business was uh, theme parks and and uh, and hotels and other stuff, but really they were not making any money on the streaming at that time either. I mean, they were practically giving away Disney Plus. The first year, I didn't pay for it with my Verizon uh, phone subscription. They they gave it to me for an entire well, year. Well, and this free. is a good question that that I know we're all over the place, but I think we have a lot to cover here with Disney. My my question is, streaming doesn't make money. Okay, it doesn't make money. Disney, yes, they got 250 million subs. It doesn't make money. Netflix doesn't make money on streaming. Paramount's probably underwater. The HBO Max isn't really working. None of the streaming's really working. And it's crazy to think that so many people are trying to win this streaming war when people are fighting and clawing to win this war that's not really even a profitable entity. When you look back at that model of cable mm-hmm. and how amazing that now that model's kind of gone because people are going to streaming all that good stuff but when you look at that you had like a comcast you had a spectrum you had a charter when back in the heyday of internet and cable where you didn't have to pay for the content mm-hmm. people just paid you to get to the content if that makes sense right very basic bones thing, right? Yeah. Whereas now it's totally different where 
It's not like Comcast was paying billions of dollars for content. They just provided you the content and you paid them money for the service. Very simple and probably one of the best money makers of all time if you really kind of break it down. Now that that model's gone and now it's like you have to pay billions of dollars to get people to watch your content and it's just not profitable. It's not like razors or you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not the same because I mean, take, for example, I mean, our cable company Comcast, I mean, they still have to pay the, I don't know how those, those franchise fees work or whatever, but ESPN's I understand they're paying, but the they're, not example, paying, so. they're not paying billions of dollars. Well, if it's something like $6 per subscriber for each one, I mean, that adds up. So over the course of all the channels that they have to pay for, I mean, I think the, the cable the providers do pay quite a bit, but they just pass that along in terms to, to the end user, to you and I. What I always thought that I never could understand was why it was never an a la, uh, a la carte thing. If, say, all I wanted was to watch um, HBO, Cinemax, and ESPN, why I couldn't just go to Comcast or go online and they could show every single channel that you have with the cable package instead of having to buy a bundle that had all the basic channels or whatever, why I couldn't just check mark and just pick these three because really it's funny because that's what streaming has become is now you get to pick, you want your Paramount, you want your Disney, maybe you just want Netflix, maybe whatever it is, you want Amazon, you get to pick and choose. And it's funny because now all these streamers we've talked about are starting to have advertising in it i mean netflix has done it uh, i wouldn't be surprised at some point that if that the disney at some point does it too so it's going right back to that and it is kind of an hour lock cart model but it's still the price is going up at what point are you fully saturated if you're paying something like anywhere between 10 and 20 dollars a month for all these different subscriptions i'm starting to just like you i think there will be consolidation i still think netflix regardless of their their issues with having to provide new content with all their stuff with passwords and with advertising they still have the biggest curve they're 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 out in front so they're still the leader i think everybody's still trying to catch up people are closing in so i think they'll survive but i don't know where the consolidation is going to be i would also put my money on disney too just because they have deep pockets and they're still even during the pandemic when most of their business was shut down they were still cash flow positive and uh, I think that just shows that JPIC must have been doing something right because there's a lot of companies during that time that were in the same uh, resorts uh, travel thing that that were not making were not making uh, positive cash flow during that time. And I'll tell you my thoughts on Disney here in a minute. The, and the thing that does set Disney apart than a Netflix is they have generational content. Okay, in ten years, we're still going to be talking about Star Wars and Marvel. In 10 years, we're not going to be talking about Stranger Things. Netflix doesn't have that, right? You know, Netflix, they, they do a good job. You know, they're doing The Crown. They're doing all, they can go yeah. through all the shows and all their documentaries and Dahmer and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But what sets Disney apart is that generational Snow White, um, all Simpsons, mm -hmm. you know, all the content they have that in 10, 15 years, you're still going to be talking about. Netflix just doesn't have that. They never have had that and they still don't. No, and that's one of the things too. That's a good point because so much of some of their most popular programming was when they had things, other shows in syndication, whether it was Seinfeld or when they had the uh, the Office. But right. now that almost every other uh, you media can buy those, you yeah, know, like or every other media company now has their streaming platform is making it exclusive on theirs. I mean, I think that's probably in lockstep where you've seen Netflix production budget go up, and each year they're spending more money, and just the same way that. 
I think that it's always going to be a headwind for the telecom companies like uh, Verizon and, and AT&T and Comcast because they're constantly having to build out their network and upgrade. I think that's always going to be a headwind for Netflix and for Disney and for every other studios that you're always going to have to spend money for for new new content. And uh, that's also goes right back to where I think there will be consolidation at some point. And also that Disney at some point, if they want the streaming division to be profitable, that they are either going to raise their prices or raise their prices and advertise. Well, that's going back to my question of about Iger, where, you know, he put together these great deals that we've been talking about, the Marvel, the Star Wars and the Pixar deals have got to be in the works. Mm -hmm. I, I do. Now it could be what you're saying. I'm just coming in, hang out for 18, 24 months, pick the next guy, give him a break. And you're right to that coaching that coaching analogy that maybe they will give them a little bit more time. I do think though, and this is where I want to have a little bit of fun. I do think Iger is going to make some moves. Mm -hmm. I think he has to make some moves. Um, so let's have some fun. We can do a serious one. I'm just going to do I may, the, the uh, 600 pound gorilla elephant. Yeah. What are we doing here? The uh, yeah, the 600. I'll use elephant, elephant for Dumbo, right? Disney. By the way, uh, my kids love this joke. This is a great one. Have uh, you ever seen an elephant hiding in a tree? No. It's because they're really good at it. Okay. All right. <laughs> we can work on it. Hey, uh, Tom, could you mark this one for edit? Um, let's talk about acquisitions. Disney. By the way, there's a lot of rumors of they're going to get rid of ESPN. ESPN made $8.5 last year. I think there it's a staple flagship. They got to keep that name ESPN to me. I throw that up there now it might not generate as much revenue, but that's an iconic name up there with the, uh, the star Wars and all that stuff. They're not spinning that off. So all it's that also one of the things I see there, that's clickbait. And I forgot actually, that's another headwind that, I mean, cut, cut Bob Chapek some slack too, because during that whole time, one He's of their plus. Right. Yeah, one of their most, pro I mean, again, one of their most profitable divisions, uh, ESPN with live sports. I don't know if you know this, but during uh, 2020, there wasn't a whole lot of live sports being played at that time either, too. So that was another headwind. So it didn't have ESPN because really uh, live sports was on hold for a while, plus the cruise ships, plus the theme parks, plus the hotels and resorts. Man, that guy still did all right. It was still cash flow positive, but can't catch a break now. But yeah, back to your point, ESPN plus extremely profitable but here if they spin it off though is is the ticker symbol espn is it available someone's got to buy them they're not they can't i mean i was gonna say i think they could technically spin it off i mean think about what um what ebay did with cool i got shares with ebay of and paypal or what uh we've talked about with the kellogg's uh what they're gonna do with the salty snacks and the other stuff so uh, i can see them I mean, I think that was the the talk is because they could generate so much cash because they would just spin it off as its own separate company. And then I guess they could use that uh, that cash for the movie studios or for, for streaming for the content. But that's what I keep thinking. It's just like, it is the one thing that is consistently cash flow positive is ESPN. So I don't know if that makes sense. But on the other hand, I'm like, I kind of like this because, man, the ticker symbol ESPN, that'd be too perfect too. So acquisitions. And I think the obvious one, we can have some fun with this. I think the big one, the the 600-pound elephant, because of the 600-pound Dumbo, I think it's got to be Netflix. Yeah. Um, 
Reed Hastings recently tweeted how Bob Iger should run for president and he's a genius. So I do think Reed Hastings, Iger, good relationship. I think that could kind of help a little bit. I think if you put the two together, but that goes back to my original point. It doesn't make sense. The content, you're just paying. They, they already have enough content. Why would they buy Netflix? That doesn't make sense to me. I don't think it would make sense. Well, I would say here's a, here's maybe a couple of reasons why it could make sense is because maybe there is, uh, I mean, the, the Gen Z out there, millennials, maybe they still like the combination of, of movies. They like the combination of old reruns and uh, live sports, but maybe they only want one app or the other. So you just combined all your subscribers that you have from Disney, you you combine That's all a of half a million subscribers right from that, and now you basically—I don't know what you call it—Disnex or next next Disflix or whatever—and you do it. And there's a lot of people that I think have that that uh, that Netflix subscription. Now, what they, they would have. do is they keep it Netflix. They they buy it. They keep some you know Reed Hastings on staff or on the board, whatever. And then they still just keep doing what they're doing, but it all goes to Disney. I mean, there is the the premium plan you can play for Disney. I think, I mean, I just have Disney plus, but they have Hulu and they have Disney plus. And I think, isn't it, they have some others, the ESPN plus you can buy the bundle where you're getting all of them. So you could just include Netflix in there. I mean, Netflix does have their own movie, movie studio with, uh, with its own original content and other stuff. So, I mean, you're just doubling your subscriber base and maybe you can cut costs too with the synergistic effect. So it's just the one that I thought it always made sense to me was that the one thing at that time before, before Disney ever had their own streaming was just like, if you could take Netflix and you could put ESPN on there or live sports on there, you could connect with so many more people. And then the other part of that too, is that, I mean, isn't this one of the things that ESPN is starting to look at too, is integrating the, the betting aspect of it too. Ooh, um, so yeah. I don't know, maybe there's more partnerships with, uh, with DraftKings or MGM or whatever, MGM, but, yeah. but it's, it's the one that I've always thought too. You saw BlackRock sold 49% of their, uh, MGM stake. Did they really? I yeah. hadn't seen that. What about tons of cash? This is a stretch. Mm -hmm. Apple buying Disney. No, probably a little, um, little crazy because, again, I don't think the FTC would allow it, but they have enough cash to do it. They now are they have that product. It's funny. They buy Pixar back. Right. <laughs> um, you, they have the rides. You know, I, I don't know. I don't think that makes the most sense, but that, I think it's plausible. It could happen. I mean, if anything. I feel like uh, this is this is the type of deal that AT and T would do. Like, let's just way overpay for a company that we know nothing about in a management style that doesn't work with ours at all. I mean, it's like it worked out so well with the with um, Directv and with Time Warner. Let's just see if we can triple down on this and we'll buy a time <laughs> buy Disney. I, I don't know. I could see it. I just want them to put the dividend back. All right. So everyone's asking probably buy, sell, and hold. Well, what's your favorite? First of all, stocks aside, what's your favorite streaming platform? Um, the one that I probably consistently use the most is um, is Netflix. But HBO is um, we have a subscription to HBO Max, so that's quickly becoming is catching up between the two that I watch the the most. Um, my play, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna kind of take the easy way out. Mm -hmm. Find the VOX. 
I'm sorry. I'm not adding to Disney. I'm not adding to Netflix. I buy my VOX communications ETF. It spreads it out to the Google, Facebook, Disney, Paramount, gets them all. There you I go. Mean, I can, but I'll I still can, do a little uh, buy, sell, and hold though. I mean, it can narrow it down too. That really, out of the the top ten holdings there that that you you mentioned, I mean, if you just held Google, Disney, um, Netflix, and Comcast, I feel like you'd still be pretty pretty diversified. Yeah, and actually, I own all of them individually except for Comcast. Mm -hmm. So I already I own Google. Why? I still Netflix. Comcast is just. It's for a long time, it's never really been a market outperformer, but every time I look at it and you know, I'm not a huge valuation guy, but I really been, uh, I mean, as I, as I get older here too, I'm just starting to just think like, you know, cash is king. I want companies that produce mm -hmm. boatloads of, uh, of cash. And one of the, the headwinds of the drags is that Comcast always has to reinvest in their, their, their network, but they produce so much free cash flow and they keep raising their dividend and on a yeah. uh, price to, to free cash flow uh, basis, it's pretty inexpensive. And it's one of those ones too, where it's just like, I feel like this is really the, the grandma tenants or the Buffett ones is just buy something that you see is undervalued and eventually the market will recognize it. And now, then the other thing I like about Comcast is they're not spending $15 billion on Peacock content. They're not, yeah. they have their, like their own thing, but they're not trying to compete with the big boys. And like you said, you know, whether it's us doing a podcast or us talking about Netflix, we're all, you're streaming it through Comcast. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, said about that I, that it's one of the first ones that, that I made about this whole thing too, is that, I mean, Comcast is still, I think by subscriber base, it has the, the largest count of any of the, the major uh, regional um, providers. And regardless if you want to watch you might Netflix cancel your Disney. cable but you're not canceling yeah, your, your your internet. internet i mean they still have the pipes in the backbone that provides that internet service yeah. so that right there is still always going to generate tons of cash too now the other side is that is you constantly are having to spend to to upgrade the 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 network i mean they carry a ton of uh, debt on their balance sheet but so does every other telecom company and again that's the majority of the stuff that's going to be in the well, vox too and that's kind of where you know, I, I've been lately like, especially with the communications. I mean, when it comes to utilities, it's the same thing. Communication is the same thing. Like, uh, uh, you know, consumer discretionary, I can do my own research. I know that I want a Home Depot versus something else. But when it comes to these streamers and the internet and communications, that's why I love the VOX. It's, now it's down huge. It's probably down 35% year to date, probably actually 25% because of the recent rally. But to me, that's how I'm getting my exposure. So one of the I, things too that I feel is a is a sign that of um of the recession. And I mean, at this point, I don't know when. I don't. I, but I don't think it's a matter of if if it is just a matter of when when we go into a recession. But one of the things that I keep hearing about and reading about is that so many of these communication companies. I mean tons of that they all have a streaming aspect to them or video aspect to them so a lot of the revenue that they make comes from advertising and this has been the trend that this is an easy way for for companies to tighten up their belts and 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 cut spending is to cut advertising spending so i mean i think it's consistent i mean this is why google has been punished so much this year is they're just not getting as much advertising i mean look where twitter is now with uh, even though it's private but i mean there's been several advertisers now that have pulled off and i think this is probably 
holding true for for Comcast with uh, NBC and Peacock and and others too. So I feel it's just a way for companies to really tighten up. Is just like let's cut our advertising budget. So I would suspect that this is going to go on for a while. If we're not even technically in a recession yet, I think it still is going to be rough for for all these companies and for the VOX as a, as a whole. Yep. This yep. is the time where you'd want to be buying, right? Hoping on right. the other end. And I don't, you know, we've talked about before in the pod, um, I don't know who's going to win. I mean, it, it could be in 10 years, five years. I mean, I think they're all going to eat each other up. It kind of reminds me of the telephone companies in the 80s, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, long 70s? distance wars. Yeah. yeah, especially during the 80s. Yeah, you remember seeing all those commercials. It was always commercials for for long distance. One eight hundred uh, collector. One eight hundred. Oh yeah, and they all just at the end of the day, they all just got eaten up. And I could see the same. Look, the big one, I could just see the Paramount. I mean, how Paramount's its own tr publicly traded company? That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Is it Paramount's? Yeah, P A R A. Right. I didn't know that. I was thinking that was still the one that was owned by um. Yeah, Paramount. Paramount Global, dude. Wow. I was thinking it was owned by yeah. NBC and therefore owned by um Comcast. Nope, not wow. at all. So Comcast owns Peacock, right? And then Paramount Global, P-A-R-A, -A, is its own entity. Like, and okay, let's get, uh, you know, we're talking Apple. The Paramount's going to get gobbled up. By the way, I won the bet in uh, Twitter. I said private, right? Which one? Private? Twitter. Or? Aren't they going oh. private? Yes, uh, it's done. Yeah, Elon, Elon so took it I private like or whatever. So I said, when we started the whole Twitter, said, I said, you know what? Twitter's going private, and there yeah. I won. Paramount is going to get, it's not going to, in five years, it's not going to be its own company. There's no way. Or, yeah, I could see it getting taken private because wasn't this the thing with Viacom? Wasn't it uh, spun off a few times or yep. bought up and, and done this? I mean, the other we thing talked that about makes... that in the pod where they went with CBS, then CBS Viacom, yeah. and then back to CBS, back to Viacom. But yeah, Paramount P A R A is in the VOX, by the way, too. I did not know that. Did you um, see Amazon's look into um, buy a movie theater chain or something? Did you hear rumblings about this? No, to, I did uh... get my my Roomba. You got a Roomba? Did I robot go private? I, they were going to get no, bought. They out bought or by. They were bought by Amazon. That's right. Yes. So they're going right. Roomba, the Roomba, Roomba, Roomba. Yeah, it's the yeah, uh, the ro the robot uh, vacuum cleaner or they whatever. Paid a billion dollars for it. It's like chump change to them. Well, it's like which you know when um, uh, Amazon paid nine nine billion for um, MGM. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is why they want to be a partner with movie chair things. Wouldn't you just... rather have that than Paramount? Um, yeah, I mean, if nothing else. And that's why it's called the everything store. Amazon, you got so many different units. Plus, you still have the granddaddy of them all. I mean, AWS. I mean, that really is the crown jewel that they have that consistently How that's makes not money. spun off. That's kind of crazy. Well, then, you know, because the other one is, then we'll put a, a, a bow on this, Warner Brothers Discovery. So Warner Brothers merged with Discovery. That one's got to get bought out as well, too. I mean, I mean, Paramount's probably the stronger of the two, but. Anyway, so I think enough streaming for that. Quick uh, buy, sell, and hold. Let's do Disney, Netflix. Can I say Google? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I technically, say Paramount, but make it easy. Google. I'm buying. I'm buying Google. 
Oh, you know, um, I, we're going to look back and see that Google's been down and been punished so bad this year. I'm still buying it. Uh, I'm buying the Google. I, I mean, Google has uh, so much cash on hand that, I mean, they're buying back shares, but I just feel that they're to that point now. Balance they, sheet? It's crazy. They're to that point where I, I mean, I feel like, I mean, they're, uh, their CFO, I can't remember her name, but I mean, she's a very good capital allocator and they're very conservative with their, with their balance sheet, but they have so much cash. I keep waiting. It's just like, you got, you, you, you're on that point where you can start paying a dividend. I just feel right. that it's that company too. And, um, and I would be buying Google so much more too, if they just started uh, paying a dividend, even if they started small, because that's one that I could just see that they could continually just keep raising it year over year or whatever. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I keep adding to it. And it's been a tough year because I have so much. The VOX has it. I'm a personal shareholder of it. Um, it's in your ESG ETFs. Mm -hmm. It's in your tech ETFs. Um, but, you know, we'll see where we're at in 24, 48 hours. I still, that I, I would, I picked that as the, my stock of the year. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? What have you, um, and we'll still, you still get the streaming in there. I mean, you got mm -hmm. the YouTube TV, YouTube. Yeah. Did they pull the plug on YouTube TV in the sense no, of original? No, I haven't. That's what I use. It's, but it's not original content anymore. It's No, um, it's awesome though. But yeah, but you remember uh, the Cobra Kai series that originally started on YouTube and no, then they no, sold no. it to Netflix. Yeah. Oh, they did? Season. Yeah. Really? So I think they just stopped making original content, but they still, you get all the channels through that or whatever. Well, I think we got to interrupt myself. So quick buy, sell, and hold for me. I'm buying the Google because mm -hmm. it's so cheap. It's been hammered. It's been hit hard. They have the best balance sheet of anything I own in my entire portfolio. I'm holding the Netflix and I, I just, I'm selling the Disney. Yeah. I the mean, last I would, quarter killed me and you made good points, but that's what I'm doing. I would actually, um, I would probably switch it up. I mean, I, I really would never sell Netflix, but for the sake of this, I would probably sell Netflix and just hold Disney and buy Google. And the reason being is just looking at um, at uh, Disney's balance sheet. Now, they carry an awful lot of debt on their balance sheet as well, but it's still manageable and they've been consistently cash flow positive. I mean, I think that for all our talks about wanting Google to uh, pay a dividend, I do think the day that uh, that Disney pays the dividend again, Hey, remember that joke? Disney dividend. <laughs> Wait, Disney doesn't pay a dividend. Yeah, that that it's at some point they're going to reinstate their dividend fast uh, sooner than 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 Google starts uh, paying a dividend. So I would probably hold it and sell Netflix, even though real life I'm not doing that. We've had some feedback. It's up to you if you want to talk about it. It's technically not two buds talking stocks. Who's had a worse month than Tom Brady? Right. <laughs> he got divorced and then i don't know how much how much money does he have in ftx that's what i was wondering we do a little ftx talk here or is it uh, you're too burnt out or no I, are I mean coming we, in not to talk uh crypto what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this this one is so fascinating to me but yeah between tom brady steph curry i mean larry david all of them were on those things and i mean that's less than a year ago uh and um this is so many influencers that have just taken money from from companies like FTX or or BlockFi or ever uh, other exchanges is promoting this and probably themselves not truly understanding it. But that commercial that aired during the Super Bowl, when you watch that now, 
does it not look like a Ponzi scheme when Tom Brady's just calling people? He's like, Hey, I got an idea you want in. And everybody's like, I don't even know what it is, but I, but I'm in, I was just like, I'm pretty sure this is what Charles Ponzi started doing. He just went around to people's like, I got this great idea. They're like, what is have it? You, have you heard about, about the Super Bowl commercial short sale? No. What is this? They had commercials for Coinbase, FTX, Google, and they were saying that if you, I might have my math off a little bit, but if you put a thousand dollars on all of those stocks for that aired Super Bowl commercials <laughs> and you shorted them all, you'd be like $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another sign of a bubble. But I mean, the FTX thing, it very much seems like a, a Ponzi scheme to me. They were taking money from one investor to potentially do payouts for other investors. They were also taking customers. Made it, right? It's yeah. The same thing. I mean, if you and I made a, I mean, I never used FTX, but it sounds like if I had made a, uh, an investment there and put my money on their platform, they didn't took my money and put it on their sister company, the hedge fund, and they were making risky bets on cryptocurrencies on the other side to hedge their bets. And that there is a conflict of interest, not only, I mean, it's totally against uh, regulations by the SEC, but it's not regulated. So I, I have no idea what's going to happen with that. But the guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, he seems like he's he's a criminal. And I don't know if he goes to, uh, to jail or not, but I would think that um, his whole, I don't know what was going on and this would have worked out or whatever. I was like, again... That sounds like every other person that's running a Ponzi scheme until until the bottom falls out. Well, here's my thing. And in full disclosure, I, I don't want people to lose money. You know, Enron and all that stuff. I mean, people had 401ks and I don't want people to lose money. But when the guy that runs it lives in the Bahamas, isn't mm -hmm. that a huge red flag? Yeah, we're, or uh, people go to launder their money and uh, skirt regulations too. Yeah, um, he's like, yeah. where are you? Where's, you know, where... He used to be on CNBC. He's like, where do you live? The Cayman Islands. And you're like, hmm. Yeah, that isn't that where yeah, drug up. dealers go there to launder money? Yeah. The other thing, too, is I don't know if it's in the clip. It was like maybe it was early this week or late last week or something. But it shows a picture of him running down the street. He's in the Bahamas and he's got a backpack on and there's some camera crew coming towards him. And he just starts running away in the other direction. It's like there's another red flag. If you ever <laughs> invested in a company and somebody goes to ask them a question and they turn around and run away, you sell immediately. That's probably, oh, there's. Who's going to play him in the. Uh... Netflix Disney owned movie in 10 years. I'm going Jonah Hill. I could see <laughs> I could see that. I mean, he's only 28 now, so Jonah Hill is way too old already to play this. But yeah. Um or the Jonas his, Brothers. I don't know. His his look of just the the t-shirt and the shorts in every interview. And he's like, ah, oh, supposedly worth 30 billion dollars. And now he's like, I don't even have a hundred thousand in my bank account. It's like, yeah, he's yeah, like, that I have was a hundred thousand in my bank account. Like, he was driving yeah. a Toyota Corolla. I was like, I, I don't know if you ever had that money. It's like, I think it's pretty obvious now. Oh man, again, I, we shouldn't, you know, make light of it because you know, people did lose my I think I wonder, I mean, Tom Brady probably lost, I don't know. 15 million. I mean, I think some of those celebs are being sued personally for this and I don't know how that works. And if it actually is a thing or if I, if I'm just, if I read well, like, this, did you see the Larry stuff. David's getting sued. Yeah. Are so you... is this, wasn't Steph Curry too taking some, some heat for this? Or yeah. Whatever? Because they're, they're essentially, they're, they're saying, Hey, we support this product, but I, you know, I don't think, I think that goes to court. That's going to be settled out of, I don't think they have anything to worry about, but.
I mean, in, in all seriousness, though, and you just said this too, I mean, never want people to see people lose their money. But this goes back to investing in, in what you understand, what you don't. And there's room for speculation. And you and I have been pretty transparent on this show that there's times that we've invested in crypto and we have speculated and we're very clear and a very small, small percentage, less than 1% of my portfolio is in crypto. But one of the things that I did not really understand and that I'm learning now is the systemic effects that, that FTX had because my crypto was on BlockFi and BlockFi just the other day announced that they are filing for bankruptcy and it's a domino effect. So one of the things that I did not know is that over the summer, BlockFi was in trouble financially speaking and they went to FTX. Talked about that. Yes. Yep. And and I thought, oh, they're in good shape. And now come to find out that FTX lent them the money with their own cryptocurrency, the FTT coin that is that is worth nothing. So it turns out that BlockFi also did not uh, realize how bad of a shape that FTX was. But now, I mean, my Bitcoin is still there, but during the bankruptcy proceedings, I, I cannot cash out of it. So, I mean, there's plenty of people out there that this is why they have private wallets or private keys or devices to store their block, uh, their their Bitcoin or whatever on so that they don't have to worry about an exchange. Same like, could happen to Coinbase. Like, yeah. Doing, You've got your money so, with Coinbase and then all of a sudden you can't access it. You know, I'm at 0.25% of my entire portfolio. And we, we have said on the pod, you know, don't do, and this is with anything, don't, you know, use, don't, don't buy anything. You're not willing to lose at all. Yeah. Don't risk more than you're willing to lose because any investment, um, I mean, ask everybody that invested in GE in the eighties, how, how they feel about that now. I mean, yep. it, every investment can go to, go to zero. So it really has been an eye opener for me to one. I, I still, I'm not necessarily sure what cryptocurrency is going to be. I mean, the thing that I think will definitely be around and is going to be the future is blockchain technology, but I don't necessarily know if that's going to be Bitcoin, Ethereum, or anything else, or or something that we don't even know about. But after I read this guy's um uh this this blogger, I'm trying to think of his name, Jack Rains, he wrote this piece um about the the fall of FTX. And there's this one quote in there and it made me laugh because it was just so snarky and sarcastic. But he's like, um Bitcoin's been around for 13 years and I still can't do anything with it. It's like NASA was around for 11 years before they put uh, a man on the moon. It's like, can we get our stuff together with cryptocurrency or what? And I was just like, that's a really interesting point. I mean, I get yeah. it that we can say that, that, that Bitcoin isn't going anywhere, that it stood the test of time, 13 years. But realistically, what is it that we still you, don't know what, yeah, it is. What, what, what I can do with my, with my Bitcoin. Now I understand there's, there's other countries that, that it is used to transfer. Uh, but those other countries have also, there's been a lot of failures out there. Yeah, too. and they have high hyperinflation and other yeah. stuff and and their governments are totally um, doing illegal activities. I mean, we're in the United States and we're backed by the US dollar, which is the worldwide currency. So I'm really starting to come around to the idea. I don't know how that, how that changes. Well, and it goes back to the Jamie Dimon's like, hello, I've been saying this for yeah, and I thirteen mean, you go, years. You can go back you know? and listen to the archive of podcasts where I was beating the drum on Bitcoin and and seeing all these use cases for it. But um, I uh, I really have have gone back and tried to take a more uh, disciplined approach to to my understanding of cryptocurrencies. And one of the things that I realize is too is that I think 
until it is regulated by the SEC, there is always going to be a chance of uh, bad actors that are doing shady things and the systemic effects of other companies that could be affected by that. Because I'm in that position now with with uh, with BlockFi. If you have any questions about any of what we've talked about today or something we missed, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Two Buds Talk Stocks or on Gmail at Two Buds Talk Stocks. And occasionally we post pictures on Instagram at Two Buds Talk Stocks. And if you listen to us on a platform like Apple, where you can leave a rating or review, please do so. It might help bump us up in the algorithm and get more listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening.